This audio is brought to you by Business Radio, powered by Wharton, originally airing on SiriusXM. From the campus of the University of Pennsylvania Wharton School, this is Women at Work on Business Radio. Here is your host, Laura Zarrow. Welcome to Women at Work and our weekly conversation about how we can get more women to join, stay, succeed, and lead in the workplace. I'm your host, Laura Zarrow, Executive Director of Wharton People Analytics, and our phones are open. Give us a call. You can reach us at 1-844-WHARTON. That's 844-942-7866. You can also email us, which I particularly like because then Patty gets the email. She comes on into the studio. I get to say hi. You can reach her at businessradio at SiriusXM.com. So give us a call. 844-WHARTON, 844-942-7866, because today we're talking about politics and change. From the Women's March to a record 127 women currently serving in Congress, we have more women politically engaged than ever before in American history. The big question is how we sustain and channel that energy to actually create governing bodies that are as diverse as the population they serve. Organizing seems to be the key answer, whether the goal is getting people out to vote, turning activists into into candidates, or connecting voters to each other to advocate collectively for their concerns. Today's first guest, Martha Grant, is putting innovation to work for just that purpose. She helped design a really interesting digital platform that enables individuals to efficiently organize at scale. Because if any of you have tried to organize, it's the work of actually connecting with people that is so crazy hard. So she's built this powerful CRM that was created specifically to support progressive causes. We're going to talk with her today about how and why she made it, how it can be used, and what it means to design for a specific segment of the political landscape. For those of you who don't know her, Martha's the co-founder and moderator of the Google Group's Data Ladies Alliance and Rising Together, and she previously served as the senior strategist at the American Federation of State, County, and Municipal Employees. Um, So with that, Martha, welcome to Women at Work. Thank you so much for having me, Laura. Oh, it's our pleasure. So Martha, explain this project of um, what it is and why you started it. Absolutely. So Action Builder is a tool for progressive organizations to build volunteers into engaged community leaders. Uh, We really started the platform with the AFL-CIO, the American Federation of Labor and Congress of Industrial Organizations, um, to work for labor organizers, so folks who are on the ground helping workers form unions in their workplaces who didn't have a tool like this to really grow individuals into those leaders. So why is it that they haven't had these tools? Is it money? Is it technological know-how? Or was it just an innovation waiting to be developed? I would say it's an innovation waiting to be developed. Um, It also is that a lot of the databases out there that have been used for this work were databases first and foremost. They weren't meant to be easy to use. They were something that organizers had to go back to their laptops at the end of the day take all of the papers, um, all of the different notes that they maybe wrote on Post-it notes or in notebooks, and then enter them into the database um, at at night. Um, So spending two, three hours, I've heard so many horror stories of folks staying up until 3, 3.30, 4 a.m., doing all of the data entry for the day, especially on large-scale campaigns. And then Um, if they're databases, that means that they then have to extract data, bring them into another program to do anything with it. Exactly, exactly. So it is now so easy to build a mobile-friendly website like we've done um, and to make it really simple, beautiful, easy to use and lets folks who have very little 
maybe are intimidated by the databases of old, um, get them something that works in, in their hands, on their phones, wherever they're at. So this is really a platform or what is commonly referred to as a CRM. Can you tell, explain to the listeners who aren't familiar with it what a CRM is and how that applies to campaign organizing? Absolutely. So a CRM is a way of keeping track of individuals and conversations that you're having with them over time. A lot of sales teams use CRMs like Salesforce um, to keep track of the conversations that they're having um, with the idea of eventually closing a deal. Um, on the political side, there are a lot of CRMs out there that are really good at tracking, did I have a conversation with someone about coming out and voting on, uh, you know, um, at the a big election in November? Um, and it's very transactional, these databases that currently exist on the political side. But in an organizing project, you want to have more than a single transactional conversation with an individual. You want to have several conversations where you're really building a relationship and ideally getting somebody more engaged with your organization so that they become a leader um, in their community advocating for your cause, whether it's climate change or whether it's a union in their workplace um, or whether it's uh, encouraging more folks to run for office. So you were working with the AFL-CIO. How did you, what's your background that you understood how to go about and build an online CRM? Yeah. So I was a history major. Um, and I was, will say, like, I am so impressed with how many women come into technology um, with all sorts of varied backgrounds. Um, and uh, as a history major, I was very much a systems thinker. And I was trying to figure out how could I use my time um, in this world in the most effective way possible and uh, bounced around between a lot of different jobs. I think I had, uh, I was telling it up seven different jobs in my first three years out of college, just trying <laughs> to figure out what would be a good fit for me, for my, my talent and my energy and my time. Um, and uh, I wound up at the American Federation of State, County, and Municipal Employees in 2012. Um, and uh, I was lucky to have a fantastic boss, and I apprenticed, actually, um, as a, a data and technology, data and targeting apprentice, which was how do we use the information we have about our members um, to try and get them to come out and vote. Um, and that was my real ex first exposure to technology in the political space, um, and I was able to do a lot of learning and growing in that role um, over the five years I was there, doodling in my notebook the whole time <laughs> about what a better tool for organizing could look like. So did you um, come into that role knowing how to code? I did not. I did not. And I still, um, actually, I, um, I am pretty proficient in SQL, um, which is a database language for pulling information out of large data, uh, data sets. Um, but, uh, but I learned very early on that I prefer to sort of dig into what's called UI UX questions. How does a user interact with technology um, more than I like sitting behind a computer screen coding? Okay, so you started out. So the history major part actually makes sense to me and um, because of your interest and understanding in the world that we live in. And how did you go from the doodles in your notebook to actually having this platform built? Mm -hmm. So um, I feel so lucky that, um, that everything sort of timing-wise worked out so beautifully. So um, uh, the 
first step was I was having a wonderful time at the American Federation of State County Municipal Employees. I was traveling a lot for my job, working with locals and organizers across the country who are involved in organizing public sector workers. And it was, it was really good, lots of travel. And I had my son um, in March 2017 and realized, you know, I wonder if there's a way I could be really spending more of my time bringing these doodles to life. Um, instead of just thinking about them, and if maybe there was a way that that job could take me back to Minneapolis, uh, my hometown, um, so that I could uh, could move my son and uh, raise him um, closer to family. And um, I was just happening to grab lunch with a friend as I was starting to do informational interviews about product management, project management type work, um, mostly in the, the tech space, and he mentioned that there was this job opening up to build an organizing tool from scratch, and he was like, you would be a perfect fit. Um, oh, wow. So it, it kind of found you. You didn't... It really did. That's amazing. But a testimony to having conversations about what you're trying to do with all kinds of people. Exactly. It was incredible how the network of people I had surrounded myself with really came together to try and help me find this this role. It really is incredible. For those of you who are just tuning in, you're listening to Women at Work on Business Radio, powered by the Wharton School. I'm your host, Laura Zarrow, and my guest today is Martha Grant, the product manager for a new CRM called Action Builder that provides new and efficient ways to identify, communicate with, and move people to action. Um, Are you trying to move people to action? Are you trying to organize people in your world? We'd love to hear about it, so give us a call. Our number is 844-WHARTON. That's 844-942-7866. So as I was doing research about Action Builder, um, I noticed that it seemed to be deeply connected somehow to the Action Network. Can you talk to me about that? Yeah, so the Action Network is a tool that really first got off the ground with the Walmart strikes that UFCW did in 2012. Um, And I actually showed up to one of these uh, distributed events um, in 2012, I, when I was applying for this role, I uh, scrolled back through my news feed on Facebook and found a picture of me in a winter hat um, at a Black Friday protest that was one of the first big protests, big events that um, was organized on Action Network. Um, it's an email platform, distributed events platform, only used by organizations in the progressive space. Um, and uh, it's free, free to use for small groups, um, which is something that's that's fantastic, makes it super accessible. And it was really developed into what it is today through a close partnership with the AFL-CIO, who saw the value in the tool um, and really invested in it to make it exactly what their affiliates needed. Um, The AFL-CIO is a membership organization for labor unions. Um, uh, I believe over 60 labor unions are a part of that that National Labor Federation. So is that where the funding for Action Builder came from? That's exactly right. So we received the initial funding to build the tool, um, to build Action Builder from the AFL-CIO, who had seen what uh, Action Network was capable of doing. We had established a tracker record with them of building to their specifications, building what was needed. Um, that was how I was able to be hired. Exactly. <laughs> That's pretty interesting. I love the connection. So even though they invested in building it, what's the business model for sustaining it? You mentioned that it's free for small groups. Does that change for larger groups? 
So Action Builder is actually not free for small groups. Um, wow. Action Network is self-sustaining, um, is able to be free for small groups because sending emails is relatively inexpensive. Um, for us, we have more substantial support costs. So unfortunately, we're not able to be free for small groups. Um, it's uh, $50 per user per month for, for groups to use Action Builder, um, with activist users always being free. Um, because we're a nonprofit, um, we would love to be able to provide the tool for free for all progressive organizations and would do that if we were able to cover our operating expenses um, through only providing the tool to large groups or having funders come on board. Um, what we do for the Action Builder side is we have a development table currently that is just the AFL-CIO. Um, their affiliates, um, given the AFL-CIO's investment, do get the tool for free, okay. um, which is very exciting. Um, I'm in the offices of one of uh, IBW's locals right now. They're using the tool and are able to use it for free because of the AFL-CIO's investment. Um, and we're looking to get other organizations to that development table as well. Um, the more organizations that come on board and help guide the development of our tool, the cheaper we can provide it to every organization in the progressive movement. Okay, so I want to back up a little bit because you just shared a lot of information with yeah. me and it feels like it's important. So I want to break it down to make sure I've got it and the listeners have got it. So you mentioned that it's $50 per user for month, but activist users are free. Did I hear that correctly? Yes. And what's the difference? Aren't we all activists once we're organizing? <laughs> um, so the basics, uh, this, this really gets into our user roles in the system. So um, we have four user roles in our CRM. Um, and this is really both for security purposes, um, so that um, information is controlled in a, in a way that, that makes sense. Um, and is secure, um, and also because uh, there are some users that can um, that have permissions to edit large records in bulk. Mm. Um, so we have our admin users who can see everything in a system, and they can also do large uploads to the system. Um, we have lead users who um, can edit uh, edit campaigns in the system and edit the fields that are available. We we made the system very flexible to accommodate any different organizing context. You could imagine that a labor union is tracking a lot of different pieces of information versus an organization that's organizing around climate change or a political organization that's trying to grow leaders. So we allow a lot of customization of, of this system. Um, and then we have organizers. And organizers are folks who um, are saying, like, hey, activists across the state, what we would really like you to do this weekend is talk to your neighbors and um, gather information about these 20 people who've said that they're interested in running for office, um, but uh, we don't know what issues they care about. We don't know um, when they're thinking of running. We don't know what office they might be interested in running for. Could you gather some more information from us? And so the activist folks are the, the folks who are going out and having the conversations um, and being asked to do really constructive work. Um, in terms of building power by the organizers um, for the organizations they are a part of. So, in other words, the the people who are higher up in the hierarchy, who are mobilizing the organization, they they pay per user per month. Um, but as you start to get your kind of field workers, those motivated individuals who say, I care, I want to go door to door, they can get involved for free. Exactly. Um, and we really, I mean, 
any way that you can get involved in progressive politics in a progressive organization, that is incredibly valuable. Um, progressive organizations frequently don't have that many staff. Um, and so we wanted to create a tool that lets everybody get engaged and doesn't penalize an organization for getting more folks engaged. We want more folks engaged. So talk to me about um, this idea of this is really dedicated to progressive networks. Um, we, you know, are right now the whole nation is reeling from the various um, tragedies that have occurred over the last 10 days. Um, we hear a lot about 8chan and networks that are not progressive, but instead for white nationalists, white supremacists, um, that everybody's really worried about. How, why is this focused on progressives and what happens if somebody with a different political alignment chooses to use the system? Yeah. So um, there's a lot of discussion right now about terms of service and who gets to use what pieces of technology for what ends. And our terms of service is very explicit that a group can only use our tool for um, progressive causes. Um, and then we actually, through our partnership with the AFL-CIO, they receive a notification for every organization that wants to come on um, and that signs a contract with us. Um, so we also send that information on to them um, so that they, they provide that sort of added step. Um, we have detailed conversations with an organization before they come onto the tool about how they intend to use it um, and, and do that initial vetting process, just like a quick Google to see um, whether or not they're truly progressive. Um, we also uh, would not hesitate to, of course, enforce our terms of service, which is something that a lot of the other platforms out there should be doing more of. Um, we're lucky because in terms of our incentive structure, we are a nonprofit. We're not out there to um, make, a, make a ton of money off of this tool. We don't have investors who are saying, like, hey, you need to throw open the doors to folks that you find questionable. Um, and uh, we're, we're not out there to, to do any of that. Okay. So, well, I noted the vast extreme of going from right to left. Um, what about the shades of gray in the middle? Um, things that run from progressive to liberal to more moderate. How do you guys slice that? Is it done? Um, how do you define progressive and where do you draw the line? Yeah, so um, it is something that we are uh, still in the midst of developing our more explicit policies. Our terms of use is pretty clear. Um, that this has to be an organization that is actively working to create more good in the world, and they explicitly can't be working to stop unionization in any way. Um, so if somebody is explicitly working to oppose um, unionization, that would be a very big flag for us. Um, but uh, we're pretty, we tend to be pretty open in terms of what is progressive beyond that really clear litmus test on, on our end. Um, if somebody's working to, um, you know, work on environmental issues, work on advocating for policies that will benefit their community in a very specific way, like uh, they want to get a stop sign on their street corner. Uh, we welcome that sort of <laughs> Okay, so that, that could actually not fall anywhere on the political spectrum, just be a positive change that a group is seeking, and they could use the network for that, as long as they're That's not exactly anti-union. Right. 
Exactly. Okay. Um, for those who just tuned in, this is Women at Work on Business Radio, powered by the Wharton School on Sirius XM 132. I'm your host, Laura Zarrow, and I'm talking with Martha, Martha Grant. She is the product manager for a new CRM called Action Builder, um, an amazing new product that's come out of the Action Network and provides new and efficient ways to identify, communicate with, and move people to action. Um, if you want to join in the conversation, give us a call. You can reach us at 844-WHARTON. That's 844-942-7866. So, Martha, you have been mentioning that you were very involved in the design of this and that it sounds like it's amazingly well-tuned to the needs of grassroots organizations. Can you talk to me about the design process that you used here? Absolutely. So something that we're really uh, excited about is with the both the Action Network digital tool set and the Action Builder tool set, we use a cooperative design process. Um, a lot of organizations in Silicon Valley elsewhere use something similar called participatory design or user-centered design. Um, and we really take it a step further where our users actually own our development roadmap. Um, so we have a development table. At this point, it's the AFL-CIO, and um, about 15 to 17 affiliates regularly show up to our monthly meetings uh, where we talk about how the tool can become better. Um, then I dive in on a quarterly basis, and we prioritize all the different things that we could build, all the different ways that the tool could develop. I facilitate those discussions. Um, so really, I see my role as more of a facilitator or a translator. Um, I take those ideas that they've prioritized, and then I dig in deeper. How exactly is this feature going to work? Um, bring doodles back to them. Um, <laughs> Eventually, more fleshed-out mock-ups that actually um, are beautiful um, from a designer. Um, and we, we dig into the nuance. Is this where this button should be? Is this how this should work? And we continue to iterate even after that feature is, is launched. How did you learn to work this way and develop this process? Because um, it's central to really responsive design, but something that many um, developers don't really understand. Yeah, I love, I have always loved really digging in with a person who is experiencing a technical challenge and digging into their workflow and their experience using that piece of technology. Um, I'm a little bit of a design thinking nerd. I love <laughs> reading about design thinking. Um, I uh, fantasized about working for IDEO when I was in college. Don't we all? Whole, I know. That whole way of approaching problems I just think is, is marvelous. So I just did a lot of reading on my own about how people will approach problem solving, um, particularly with that design thinking approach. And then I was able to implement some of those ways of approaching problems when I was at AFSME for five years. Um, did you need to help design. introduce design thinking to then, or did you have sympathetic souls there who understood its value? I definitely sympathetic souls. So something that I found in labor organizations um, in general, but also at AFSME, is that there was a real value seen in going out into the field and talking to folks and, um, and really getting to know their experience on the ground, getting out there, doing ride-alongs, which is where you actually ride next to an organizer and participate in their day directly. Um, getting out there and doing the work was something that was highly valued. Um, it's part of what attracted me to labor, actually, is I was raised very much with the value that, or with the, um, yeah, the value that all work 
has value. Um, no matter what a person is doing, that work is something that, that is, has dignity. Um, and, uh, and that's something that's very much part of the labor culture. So in the process of doing this kind of design, one of the things that um, can often be hard for designers to learn is how to put aside what you think the answer should be and accept the criticism that's coming from the people that you've brought into the room. How do you navigate that emotionally and how do you help other people navigate it so even when you've brought everybody together, the ideas are really heard? Ah, oh, yes. Um, so this is something that, um, you know, I think that one of the things that we're lucky building this tool for the progressive space to enable progressive change is that um, there's so little room for my own ego, so little room for <laughs> ego, period, um, because it's so much bigger than us and it's so much bigger, um, uh, so much bigger than that. So. Um, there had definitely have been features that I thought, oh, this would be so amazing. Um, and I still have in my back pocket, um, they're way deep in our backlog of what we're going to get to and when we're going to get to it. But um, these features that I just think will be so fun and so beautiful and be productive. Um, but I do just trust our organizers, trust the people around the table um, when they say, no, this is going to be so much more important for our folks who are in the field. Um, something else that I will say has been really valuable for me is when somebody says, um, you know what, what is going to be really valuable for our folks is actually this, this little change or this, this feature, um, is asking them, like, hey, can I hop on the phone with some of the folks you're hearing this from and really dig into that with them? Um, that'll help the feature become better. And it also helped me understand, is what they're asking for um, the best solution to their problem? Or is there something else that might be going on here um, that, uh, that we could solve faster or in a cleaner way? Um, so trying to dig in, have more conversations, do more on the ground research um, is always good. But yeah, there's just no room for ego. One of the things I really love in this is it seems like while design thinking is inspiring it, what you're really trying to do is hear from the people that you're serving so that you can build a system to help um, other people hear from the people that they're serving. Exactly. Exactly. Um, and uh, when we get the 15 to 17 folks around the table um, who are part of our design or our uh, cooperative design process, part of the prioritization process, we try and start those meetings by actually recentering the conversation on the folks who aren't in the room who are out there using the tool, asking for stories from, uh, we say, from the field, um, from folks who are on the ground using the tool. Um, so that we begin the conversation in the headspace of how can we make their lives easier, the folks who are actively using the tool out in the field. Well, Martha, I absolutely love what you're doing, seeing your innovative ideas at work, your passion for helping advocate for people, and hopefully so we can make lots of people's lives better in the process. Thanks so much for being on the show today. How can people find out more about Action Builder? www.actionbuilder.org. And a Twitter handle? Uh, action, the Action Net. Fantastic. Martha, thank you so much. For more guest interviews, check out our Wharton Business Radio Highlights podcast on iTunes and Google Play.